Hi, uh, welcome to You Asked, a brand new podcast where we, Katie and Matt, answer questions that we took from Ask Reddit. Uh, what's Ask Reddit, Katie? So Ask Reddit is a subreddit, which is a user community on Reddit, where people submit open-ended questions and other users can reply with answers. Ask Reddit is the third most popular subreddit um, right now, and it has uh, 34.5 million users. So tons of users uh, on Ask Reddit. Somebody asks a question, and there are tons of responses, tons of comments, tons of uh, wild discussion. Yeah. Definitely stupid questions, not invalid questions. All kinds of questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And what is uh, Reddit, I guess, for people that are maybe unfamiliar with uh, Reddit in general? What is that? Sure, yeah. So Reddit is it's a website, and it's a social news aggregation, web content, and discussion website. Uh, that's what Wikipedia calls it. And basically what that means is it's a collection of content uh, that users interact with, and it's organized into subreddits, which are specific collections on specific things uh, of content. So members are submitting content like uh, text, links, images, and videos, and other users are voting them up or down, and uh, voting the content up or down, not the people, um, and yeah, and commenting. So on every post, not every post, but most posts, there's um, tons of comments, tons of interaction. Um, yeah, it's just a very interesting space on the internet. I use Reddit for a lot of things. I use it for news, I use it for uh, funny videos, I use it for uh, specific uh, software, uh, features and, and things like that. So it's huge. Uh, tons of people use it and uh, Ask Reddit is a subreddit of Reddit. That's amazing. So what we're going to do is we're going to pull from Ask Reddit weekly some questions that you and I find whatever fun, funny ways that we could answer uh, with one another. And we're going to release this podcast once a week for people to enjoy and, and hear our own sort of input on some of the funny questions or some of the questions that caught our eye uh, out of Ask Reddit. That's exactly right. And uh, you're getting our opinions only, uh, not the rest of Reddit, which, in my opinion, is better. <laughs> it's a mixed bag. <laughs> it's a mixed bag in there. I mean, you got 34.5 million people that just follow this one stream. This, yeah, you're going to get all sorts of stuff in the comment threads. The comment threads are always filled with you could, uh, everything. Yeah. Like everything. You could follow a comment thread forever. Oh, yeah, for hours. You get locked on the couch just scrolling down the funny <laughs> shit people say on that thing. It's, yeah, it's always a good waste of time. So, with that, we're going to go into our first question, which was, what was easier before the internet? We've just been talking all about all of these people that exist and share everything and content create on the internet. We want to kind of think back onto what it was like pre-internet. I mean, I was born in the 80s, you were born in the 80s. We have little moments in time where we didn't exist, or where we did exist, <laughs> without internet. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, interesting, because we had very different upbringings. I grew up in uh, a suburb of Toronto, and you grew up in a very rural town oh, yeah. in I Alberta. Mean, I spent a good chunk of time until I was 10 in Yellowknife, uh, and then from Yellowknife to Athabasca, Alberta. Uh, which is, yeah, it was a small town north of Edmonton. And access to the internet on the acreage where I was was dial-up until I was 18, really, when I finally moved to Edmonton. I didn't really have access to the internet. That would have been like 2003. And when did you even get dial-up? 
I probably had like dial-up connection. I want to say it was like 14, maybe 15, but it was like, what is it, 24K or 27K? If the phone line, like it, it was that old school one that had that atrocious sound. And I had that for a long time too, but I, I did get it earlier than you. I think I started probably having internet when I was uh, about 12 or so. And it was like, we were getting free AOL trial CDs in the mail. Yeah. And it would give you like 30 days of internet. You could sign up for the trial. <laughs> and it was like, I felt like me at that age and everyone I knew, we were like just trying to get more trials and extend the internet. And right. That's kind of what it was. It was like this this patchwork of free trials to free trials. <laughs> Just bouncing from one free trial to the next. Of crappy, slow internet that got interrupted when somebody picked up the phone. Whatever, but it was so cool, right? Like the novelty at the beginning, at beginning, I remember it being like, this is amazing. MSN Messenger, like that's really what I remember using the internet. Even when I was a kid, I'd get on dial-up and I'd be just chilling on MSN Messenger. I love the internet with buddies, right Trying the to find pictures that would take like 40 minutes to load. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I like trying to like build a website and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I thought was so cool. I was like, I was young enough. I was building a website about a yo-yo, about (laughs) yo-yos. That's amazing. But I probably liked yo-yos. Maybe a little. (laughs) There was a time when we were were kid that yo-yos kind of came back around. I remember I got a yo-yo when I was like a teenager. My uncle thought they were cool and he like showed me how to sleep a yo-yo and it blew my mind and yeah. then it was like oh, i could try and do these tricks and i was into doing string tricks like yeah making it sleep and yeah. then make a triangle you were legit so i think we got our first computer like i remember being a really little kid and we had a computer for like um those green screen ones where you put the actual floppy disk in it. I think yeah. we had something like that for a while. Those never were able to connect to, I don't think, the internet. Not in the way that we understand the internet or I understand That's a what good the question. internet is. I think, I don't, yeah, I think the first computers that were connecting to the internet had at least a hard drive disk. Yeah. Maybe even a CD-ROM. So I don't know. The That's first computer that I remember hooking up to the internet was this old compact Presario. And I'm fairly confident that we got it because we won a raffle where we won a boat. And we're like, what the hell are we going to do with this boat? We live on a farm. We don't, yeah, we live on an acreage. Of, there's like, we don't need a boat. And we got like $2,000 for it. And then we bought, a, we bought like a computer instead. And we bought this compact Presario that I'm sure if we look up the specs now, it's just like absolute garbage. Um, but yeah. I Can you imagine right now if we won a boat and we try and trade it for a computer? No way. <laughs> No way, I want that boat. Let's get in that boat. <laughs> we got the internet. Um, so, all that to bring it back, like, what was easier before the internet? And uh, I really think that getting away with, like, bullshit, like, being that person that may have an answer, if you can just answer it confidently and convince people that that's the right thing, people back in the day didn't have at least the quick access to fact check that sort of stuff. So I feel like being able to bullshit and being that sort of... 100%. It's way (laughs) harder now. Yeah. I feel like now there's no opportunity to just leave it as like, well, I guess you must be right. It's like, no, no, no. (laughs) No, no, we can find out. (laughs) I have all the tools to prove you wrong. I'll (laughs) find out. Yeah, yeah. We can make sure. Let me pull (laughs) this thing out of my pocket. (laughs) Getting away with bullshit is definitely harder with the internet. Um, there's so much more information, but I do think that all of the additional information that's available also can kind of perpetuate some bullshit as well, um, because it's easy to find so many opinions that some of them are going to support 
an opinion that's even bullshit. Oh, and so many people don't understand how to like actually search stuff on the internet because there's like you can if you search something a certain way, you're going to just validate your question rather than find an answer, right? So like you can prove anything correct on the internet. Like on the internet exactly. the earth is flat, which is preposterous. But if you don't understand how to search <laughs> or if you you're innocent enough and you like uh is the earth flat if you go into google is the earth flat like it's not just going to be like all of these different scientific papers talking about how the earth is round and all it's going to try and take those things those keywords that you punched in and show you articles like that it'll probably have some evidence that the earth is round within that it better but it but it (laughs) but this is just like a placeholder the earth is flat as a placeholder uh for any other bullshit that you may try to to validate i think if you don't know how to ask the internet the right question the internet is just going to give you every answer that you want it to give you if you propose it the wrong way right and i I think think that's a really good way of putting it yeah and that means so it you know getting away with bullshit as far as like the individual, like me being able to be at a cocktail party and tell you that I threw <laughs> 300 yards in one NFL game and someone's like, oh my God, he's using the NFL, it's crazy. They couldn't fact check that before. Now yeah. you can and you yeah. can't be that, you know, bullshitter. Yeah. But I think spreading bullshit with the internet became so much more effective, uh, scaled up. 100%. So another thing that I think uh, was easier before the internet um, would be making like simple consumer decisions, deciding what to buy because uh, I love the internet. Like there's, you have access to so much information. Our worldview is huge. Um, but that means you have access to so much information about everything, like everything you want to buy. I feel like I need to research, find out, make sure it's the exact thing I want for like the right price. And I'm looking at all the options and I think like a time ago before the internet was so in our hands, if you wanted something, you would go to a store that you thought might have that thing and you would see if they had it. And if they had it, you would maybe have a choice between like one, two or three, maybe. And and, and if maybe if you're really size. crazy, you'd go to like four or five different stores. You're yeah. Like, I'm going to go check and see which one. You're wild. Know. If you're a real bargain hunter. Yeah. <laughs> But, but now it's like I'm checking every option. I'm checking online stores. I'm checking local stores. I'm checking used options, everything. And I'm looking for the right product for the right price. And it is sometimes a bit of a slog. And like, I like it. I like getting the right product for the right price, but it's not easy. But it fuels <laughs> indecisiveness too, right? It just makes you overthink whatever. You, I have to get the best product at the best price point and I have to find where it matches. And then... Now with the internet, like there's so many people have created online stores where they can sell their wares. So there's like, if you're looking for like a pair of work gloves, just there's like 80 million different companies that are all like the small little shop that makes these cool gloves. They're a little bit different that you're now going to look through. And the deeper that you go down that rabbit hole. The further you're like, well, I don't know which glove to I buy. I don't even know. Do I even I want gloves? Yeah. Do I need gloves anymore? I need them so bad, but I just can't make this decision right now. Like, what? Exactly. <laughs> so you're totally right. Before, if you needed a pair of gloves, you'd go down to, like, home hardware. And There's the like, gloves. Here's the aisle where all the gloves are. You could pick. You could touch them. Like, that's what I find right is so yeah. shitty about buying clothes or buying anything that typically you would touch. Mm-hmm. Um, 
now you just sort of you like, well, it looks like it's made out of a nice material. Might maybe it will come. And it's funny, way. like that option still exists. I still could just go to one store and buy what they have, but I just can't because I know that I could I could have more information. Yeah, because Amazon kicks the, the bay's butt every day of the week. Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> Two hundred percent. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's sad, <laughs> but it's true. It's hard to. It's a very hard to beat service. I think it's really cool though that, like I said, there's eighty million small little businesses now have the ability to sell gloves. I know it's hyperbolic, but like I think it's really amazing. Even just going on Instagram, and like you could look at a store, and there's people trying to sell their wares is people like if that's still run by a person that there's like a small little business attached to that which i think is really cool that the internet is not just dominated by you know the bay or best buy and stuff and sure like they're on the internet as well too but i think it's really amazing that it's a lot more accessible for like you and me to start a shop that sells t-shirts and gloves sure, and yeah. you know whatever you you name it whatever sort of the thing level you of get success into. would obviously and not require no a brick and mortar but... yeah well we're not talking about how well we'll do we're just talking about our ability to be able to do that and yeah. I think like removing the brick and mortar that used to be that made that barrier of entry for so many people who may be able to have a product that they could sell that what's standing in their way is brick and mortar that they can now sell online and it's so much easier. 100%, yeah. I think like Nona's antipasto back in the day when she was turning that shit out like mad, turning out a lot of it, was to give to her family. That could have been easily adopted into a business now with the internet. Whereas before, she's like, what am I going to do? Sell this to the grocery store? Like it's, sure, people could do that and that's how you get, you know, your product on the shelf in grocery stores. But now you don't... People are selling like direct to the consumer exactly. rather than trying to like... Somebody who is an artist or uh, a crafter and like makes a specific little product before it was either like you're going to markets and you're going to, you're getting a booth at the farmer's market and you're trying to sell your stained glass sun catchers or you're trying to get small stores locally to sell them. And now it's like you can you take make it into your own ads. You can run your own ads. You can, yeah. like, you wouldn't never as a stained glass maker take out a radio ad or take out a television ad but like a social media ad you can take out right um and that i guess it's it's a beautiful curse right like the internet is so saturated with products and things and information and it means you can literally find anything you want for sure um, i think like for me trying to decide like okay we just passed christmas time right so i've been like looking at getting ideas from often the internet, especially during a pandemic when going to a store in the way that we used to before the internet is not, doesn't vibe the same way. There's no chill. <laughs> it's not as chill as it used to be. Uh, so using the internet and chilling on my sweatpants on the couch and looking and finding ideas that way was very effective, but it does make for, like I started in October. <laughs> Because I knew I was going to take forever to make any decision on all sorts of stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, for me, individually, definitely buying stuff and, like, cons uh, engaging in consumerism before the internet was a lot easier to make decisions um, quicker, I guess. But, man, oh, man, is it am amazing to be able to have uh, that sort of marketplace available. Yeah, 100%. Which is awesome. Love it and I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys tell us what you think. That's our first question. That's our first answer. Uh, reach out to us at podcast.uast at gmail.com or you can find us at Instagram at podcast.uast.
Awesome. Let's uh, go on to question number two. And this question is, what was your tis but a scratch moment? Tis but a scratch. Tis but a scratch. So I'm, I take that as like, what happened in my life where it was like something that wasn't actually just a scratch, but I behaved as if it was a scratch. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is actually taken. That's what I thought it was too when I saw it. And uh, but of course I want to be sure, so I googled it, and it comes from a, a Monty Python sketch from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And it's uh, the Black Knight, and he's he's guarding a bridge, and you know his limbs are getting chopped off, and and they think they're <laughs> gonna go past right, him, and right. he keeps saying, "No, no, tis but a scratch," and he and he continues on even though you know he he loses limbs. Right. And uh, it's cut down to nothing. And I'm pretty sure the guy that's like chopping his limbs off keeps being like, come on, man. Like, yeah, exactly. You gotta concede here. Like, what are we doing? He's like, no, no. I'll find you to the end. Exactly. Tis but yeah. a scratch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think he ends up being like, yeah, armless and legless. And he's like talking about how he can like gnaw on his ankles. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I, I mean, I there's so many to pull from. Uh, not, I guess, because I'm accident prone, but just because I have lived an active life. I was a courier in downtown Toronto for two years on a bicycle or a year in total, not two years. Um, and those stupid streetcar tracks would oh, yeah. often like eat your tires. And I would ride a bike that like had really thin tires. So like they would fit in there and you'd often crash. And I remember I had on my bike, these fenders on the front tire, um, that were like you would use these like metal rods to hold the top, like the fender on. There are these little rat rods that would stick up, and normally they had these little rubber caps on them to prevent them from being so sharp. But these had fallen off. Safe. Well, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was dry, <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah. dry in the groin. Yeah, fenders like that keep you kind of dry. kind of dry. It's like keep your feet a little drier. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're out in the rain for long enough at that point, it's like, it's futile. You're just not dry. Um, so anyways, my tire got stuck, uh, when I was riding and I was like right in front of uh, the BMO building and right downtown Toronto, that big tall white building that goes like into the sky. Right downtown. Right downtown. And my front tire gets caught in this thing and my, I managed to recorrect, but my feet come off the pedals and I'm like sort of on the ground my feet are on the ground and the bike is in between my legs and I'm like trying to run with my bike here and not flip over because I was riding my bike right so I have forward momentum I end up stopping I'm like whoo okay and I look and in my leg these spikes that are coming up like the rods that are holding the fender had gone like through my leg and across like out not like really punctured my leg but like had created a sizable puncture in the side of my leg and was like bleeding down my leg. So I, I'm like, oh, I don't really feel this. <laughs> and I have these deliveries that I'm doing. I'm time, it's time sensitive for this sort of stuff. So I just like lock my bike up. I have delivery at the BMO building. I get over there, I get in the elevator and I'm standing in the elevator going to like the 65th floor to some lawyer's office, sweating my ass off because I've been riding my bike all day. And I got blood just dripping down my leg. And there's all these people crowding around me that are wearing like Business suits and just dressed nicely. And I'm just haggard. And it's like, so I remember people were looking like, are you bleeding there? Hey, like, oh, I was like, I know, I know yeah, yeah. it's fine. Like, tis but a scratch. I, I, tis but a scratch. Don't worry. These guys are like all trying to crowd away from me. So like, don't get any of this dirty Sweaty bike courier's blood. blood all over my fresh Armani suit. I think that's a, a great example. That is a, 
definitely a tip of the scratch. Did you get any band-aids? I did. I ended up, like, I went upstairs in the lawyer's office upstairs. I talked to one of the receptionists. I was like, do you have, like, a med kit I can use? And it was a sizable puncture. I still have a big scar on my shin for this rod, like, slammed inside my leg. Brutal. I had a, a very other similar story. Like, so many. As a bike courier, like, that story. There was another one where it was the same thing, but I had slammed my knee into my handlebars, and they had sliced open my uh-huh. knee. And like my kneecap was exposed. I probably needed stitches. But I went in and I got got in another elevator. This elevator was across from City Hall in downtown Toronto. Again, I'm just standing there. People all in beautiful suits dressed for business. And I'm bleeding down (laughs) my leg. Was that a streetcar track as well? Uh, No, that one was like uh, I had my bike. I had the bullhorns and I'd freshly uh, cut them. And I didn't have, oh, gosh. yeah, so they were like razor sharp. Yeah. And oh, I was, was like up in my, up out of my saddle and my knee slammed into it. Oh boy. So it's riding a fixed gear, right? Yeah. And you like often shift your weight forward. And when you do that, your knee still comes around and can sometimes if you have bullhorns. So I, right after that, I cut bullhorns and my yeah. fixed gears from that point no, don't bars. have, don't have bullhorns. That makes sense. I, uh, the first one about the streetcar tracks, that is pretty much uh, we were both cyclists in Toronto for, for a quite time. a while. We had no cars. We just had bikes. A lot of our friends were the same. And falling because your bike fell in the streetcar track was almost like a rite of passage as a, a cyclist. Like, yeah. oh, everyone, it happened to everyone. It was just a matter of if it had happened to you yet and how many times. How many, yeah. Happened I... to me outside of the uh, the AGO. And, uh, yeah, fell right into traffic. Oh, and oh it's scary. It's scary, yeah. It's scary. Uh, and as soon as your tire goes in, you know there's nothing you can do because... Unless you can hop it out somehow, the track's going to merge at some point, and you're going to hit the end of it. <laughs> I've had, I've come out a few times, but it was because both tires went in. Oh, yeah. If one tire goes in, I find, like, that it's over. Yeah. But if they can both get in, you can kind of hop out. But, yeah, it's it's always, like, you, time slows in those moments. You know, like, 100%. those moments right before impact. It's like, this is probably a fraction of a second, but felt like... A century. Five or six seconds, yeah. at least. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, funny enough, my uh, tis but a scratch moment also involves a bicycle. And it's uh, this was actually the last time I rode my bike um, until I became an adult. And when this story happened, I was, I was probably, uh, thir- probably almost 13. I was about to start high school. It was the summer between grade 8 and grade 9. And I was uh, out with my friends and I was riding, I had ridden my bike to go to my friend's house who lived maybe a kilometer maybe 800 meters away something like that <laughs> yeah not very just far. down the road not very far yeah. and um i was late uh coming home and i was uh, always stressed about being late as a kid uh being on time was important in my house and i didn't like getting in trouble so i was hustling and i was riding this purple mountain bike that actually right now is in our backyard we got it when my mom moved out <laughs> of her still garage have, we like, still have the bike <laughs> It's still, it haunts you. Still messed up. Yeah, it haunts you. It is, yeah. I can vouch for that. It is still messed up. Uh, so I'm riding this purple bike. I'm riding home. I'm hustling on like the sort of main road that goes through a subdivision. And uh, it's a little bit, just a little bit uphill, so I'm working hard. And my pant leg, it's between grade 8 and grade 9, so I'm probably wearing extremely wide leg pants <laughs> Oh this yeah. time. What, the, what was the jean called? Jinko. Jinkos. I wanted to call it dinkos. That's like, that's not right. Where the, the leg of the pant is larger than the waist of the pant. <laughs> uh, I probably wasn't wearing those pants exactly, um, but I was probably wearing a, a wide leg pant but of some the kind. The style was like, yeah, it was bigger cuffs in yeah. the bottom, right? 
a great time to be alive. <laughs> Anyways, the the cuff of my pant uh, got stuck uh, in my chain of my bike. Right in the front. I chain. got caught. My my right leg got caught in sort of the back of my bike, and I tried to pull myself free, and I jerked my leg, and I ended up going over my handlebars, and my bike, you know, flipped over. Oh, well, you're like trying to rush to get home. I was like hustling. Going yeah, full I was trying to go. Speed. Um, <laughs> And I was probably halfway, so I had, you know, a bit of a bit of time to go. Right. And I fell off my bike. I, I kind of rolled forward, and I fell off, and I tried to get up and just get back on my bike. I, this is kind of a strategy I've taken my whole life where I was kind of clumsy, and when I'd fall down, I would just get back up and try and act like nothing happened. And it was, whether I was hurt or not, I was more concerned with, like, hurting my ego and my <laughs> embarrassment meter. And Don't look at me. I'm fine. Yeah, it's no part worries. of the show. Everything's just good. move on. I meant to do that. Everything's great. <laughs> so I got, I immediately got back on my bike. There were two people walking towards me, and they were looking at me like I was insane. Uh, and I just got back on my bike, and I tried to ride it, but it was all messed up. Like, the wheel was bent, and I couldn't ride it. So I just got off of it, and I pulled it over onto the sidewalk, and I just kind of, like... I walked home and I just kind of dragged it behind me. Like it, the wheels weren't really working. It was kind of messed up. And I just kind of pulled it home. It was maybe, you know, 400 meters or something like that. Not an extremely far away, but a, right. a long enough way. Probably 10 minutes when you're all It's summertime. Hurt. I'm all sweaty and I'm all messed up. And my arm is, is hurting. And I have it just kind of like as if it was in a sling, just like held against my body. And I'm just dragging uh, my bike with my left hand. And I don't know. I was I was hurt, but it like didn't really occur to me that anything. I just... I was just so focused on getting okay, me and my bike home. Like, okay, I wasn't leaving home, yeah. my bike there, and yeah. I had to get home. So right. me and my bike were going home. And I get home, and I just kind of uh, leave my bike on the lawn, and I go inside, and I go upstairs, and my mom's, like, lying on her bed. I think she's watching the news. And I go in, and I'm like, I fell off my bike. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, uh, my arm hurts. <laughs> and she looked at me, and the look on her face was when I knew immediately <laughs> so you didn't something look, was wrong. So you, this whole time, you didn't look at your body. You were you were just like, crash, oh shit, get my bike. <laughs> I think basically, uh, yeah. Don't look over here, everyone. Just want to scratch, and I got to get home. I'm still late. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trying to get home. All right. I guess I, I must have looked at it, but I didn't, I was looking at it as it was held against my body, you know? I didn't really look at it. But it was definitely broken. It was broken and, like, it had, like, sunk down. Like, it was, like, U-shaped. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> my, the look on my mom's face uh, kind of immediately made me realize something was wrong. And right. at the time, I was really into um, softball. I was, it was summertime. I was playing on my softball team. Everything was great. Uh, we're getting to the end of the season. I was super excited. And it's summertime. that's all I could think was, like, can I play softball? And oh, my mom just like looked at me like, what? No. <laughs> like your arm is totally broken. And I was just like, oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But can I throw a ball? Tis but a scratch, mom. Can yeah. I Can I hit a homer? Yeah. <laughs> Please, no. mom. Oh. Uh, the answer was no. Yeah, my arm was broken. I had to go. They had to like put it in traction and reset it. And then uh, I was in a cast that kept my arm bent at a 90 degree angle. And uh, in a cast like up to my, almost to my shoulder for the rest of the summer. So... Summer was ruined. Did you and have rookie of the year speed pitches when you were done? The problem was it was it was like summer was over when I got the cast oh. off, so I didn't have, didn't even have a chance. But probably, yeah, I would have been. Rookie but by the time the spring came around, it was worn off. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the story I'm going with. It's amazing but, that like when you crash, you said that when you were walking home and you were just like, "No one look over here, everybody. I'm fine. I'm getting home." People were looking at me, and I just kind of like and you, kept going. And you like tucked your arm in. 
to your body and you're like, oh, this is not good. Like you body knew you may yeah. not have been like I'm not I like I don't want to look at that. I was I just yeah, get I was, home. I was in shock for sure. Yeah, and doubt. all I could focus on was like I was late. I had to get home, and I wasn't leaving my bike. Yeah, <laughs> those were the things I had going on. And then the next thing was can I play baseball? Yeah. Oh my god, my <laughs> baseball career is over. <laughs> Very limited focus at that time in my life. Oh, that's great. Um, and that was actually the last time I rode a bike. I was going into high school, and I just never rode a bike again until I was in like second year university. And uh, I rode my roommate's bike on Halloween because we ran out of candy. And they were like, go, oh, you can get more candy. Go to the store, yeah. Uh, so I did. And as soon as I got on that bike, I was like, oh, my God, I love bikes. <laughs> Wind in your hair. Oh, you're free. It was great. And then I uh, started loving bikes. And like I said, we, we were both oh, cyclists for are, many are years. a huge part of our lives. So that's, uh, that's my tis, tis but a scratch. That's moment. amazing. <laughs> so that's it. I think... Uh, I think that's two questions. That's some answers. Hey, bada boom, bada bang. Great first episode from Round City. I think so. Yeah, that, that was, was great. a lot of fun. Um, so, if you have anything to say, if you liked what we said, if you have any questions yourself, if you want to tell us your own answers, uh, you can give us a shout. You can email us at podcast.us at gmail.com or check us out on Instagram at podcast.us. Thanks for listening. See you next week.